Wonderful to hear, mate. And uh, let's let's get a bit more of the backstory as well. What what kind of work did you do after you finished school? So uh, initially, yeah. Well, when I finished school, I, I, I've mentioned that uh, I became homeless when I was living in that township of Nowra in New South Wales. So I actually left school quite early. Uh, so I completed year ten, uh, but uh, back in that day, didn't finish uh, my secondary college education, and. Um, I was uh, I was quite fortunate that um, 
uh, under the guidance of uh, that uh, uncle that I've mentioned, that uh, I was able to uh, learn that indeed I had some strengths and that uh, indeed I had the capacity to be able to um, uh, complete an education at tertiary level. So uh, I, uh, I completed um, a diploma of uh, social science and a diploma of business, a diploma of counselling along the journey. And um, uh, through that journey of gaining an education, uh, simultaneously I was working in the area of homelessness here in Melbourne. So I managed uh, what was back then, in fact, the biggest homeless person shelter in Australia. It was a 10-storey, 300-bed uh, uh, homeless persons facility in South Melbourne called Gordon House. So my work history was really uh, embedded into providing support to people experiencing homelessness around Melbourne. Uh, and, um, and in that 20-plus uh, that year journey of my professional uh, life, uh, I, uh, I developed and, uh, and um, uh, worked with a number of teams to, uh, to get homeless person services um, uh, created around uh, different suburbs of, uh, of Melbourne. And uh, over that 20 years, I learned plenty in terms of social work and uh, how to connect with people on the margins. And, uh, and then eventually God called me out of working in the community welfare sector uh, to come and work in church world back in uh, 2007. Tell us about the, the church work you've been doing. Yeah. Well, so back in 2000, well, actually a little earlier than 2007, um, I was developing a bit of a sense that God was calling me out of the community welfare sector in Melbourne uh, to work in, uh, in, in some, some capacity in, in a church. And uh, I had a number of people uh, speaking into my life uh, in, in, in that sense as well. I had a number of people that uh, would speak into my life and, and they would say, well, you should be working in a church. You should be working in a church. And uh, to be honest, I, I was a bit dismissive of that initially, thinking, oh, people were, you know, the victims of their overactive imaginations. But um, eventually I, I, I developed this understanding that perhaps God was speaking with me through people. And, and I, I, I suppose internally I developed a, a great sense of understanding that indeed this was the Lord's calling for me to come and work in a church context. But it was a, a curious call in, in my mind because... Um, I don't have uh, qualifications in theology. My qualifications are in uh, social science, business and counselling, as I mentioned earlier. And so, you know, my, my initial thinking was, well, where does that fit into church world? Uh, nonetheless, I ended up exploring, you know, uh, the possibility of uh, working within, uh, within a church and landed with the New Peninsula Baptist Church in Victoria, which is on the Mornington Peninsula uh, in Victoria, and uh, and uh, in that uh, in that role, uh, I took up the call to manage uh, the incorporated welfare arm of the New Peninsula Baptist Church. But what was uh, of uh, special interest to me in that role was when I was looking through the position description before I'd even taken up an interview opportunity. I saw uh, this coach community mentoring role as one one task. That, uh, that the church wanted me to, to uh, oversee in a suite of about eight or nine different uh, responsibilities. And uh, it was that, when I saw that on a position description, empowering Christians to be able to draw alongside vulnerable families in their local community at that point in time on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. When I saw that, I felt God clearly speak to me and say, 
uh, the minute I saw that on the position description, that job is national. And so that really piqued my interest. And uh, it, uh, it's uh, intriguing for me <laughs> that uh, uh, a couple of years into managing the welfare arm of that church, uh, the church itself thought that coach would be best positioned to be rolled out into a, a, a national program. And so since then, uh, I've taken up uh, that role, uh, co-authoring the program and uh, with a team of others, seeing this uh, community mentoring program move out nationally across Australia and indeed even in the UK. So give us a bit of a snapshot of the uh, coach community mentoring. What's it all about? What it does, uh, it's about empowering and equipping and mobilising Christians to be able to move outside of their, their, their church service context, uh, to be able to move within their community, in their ordinary streets, uh, in their townships, in their suburbs. It's about mobilising those people to be able to draw alongside a vulnerable family in their local community and to provide uh, mentoring support to that family. Uh, what we what we're looking for is uh, we're, we're we're looking for families who uh, are actively wanting to access support and uh, are seeking some sort of change in their life. And uh, through identifying those suitable families and identifying and training suitable mentors, we then match a mentor with uh, a vulnerable family in their local community and uh, and uh, uh, um, manage the relationship as, uh, as the, uh, the vulnerable family work toward their preferred future. So that family, that vulnerable family, identify one or two life goals. Uh, we, as a program, don't set ourselves up as the experts in that family's life. They tell us what uh, they want their life to look like. And then the mentor walks the journey with that family as they take the steps that are necessary at the pace that's comfortable for that family towards those one or two life goals. And what we're hoping for is that the, uh, the, the Christian mentor will be able to be a positive influence in that vulnerable family's life and that uh, they will be able to um, draw alongside typically the parents in that family or the parents in that family and to be able to influence those parents to influence children to impact generational change. So we're, we're really wanting to support families to um, break free of the generational poverty and the generational struggle that typically those vulnerable families experience and to, uh, to cut that, uh, that cycle off where the next generation repeat uh, the struggles and, uh, and the, um, the challenges of, uh, of, uh, of the previous generation. And I see on your website you've got some great endorsements there, including Tim Costello, World Vision mm. CEO, Greg Hunt, mm. Federal MP. Mm. Uh, you've got uh, lots of good support from you know Mission Australia and Crossway Life Care. Mm. Lots of great uh, ministries supporting. Uh, tell mm. us some, tell us some testimonies or some stories of mm. how on the street or on the ground this has really helped people. Yep, yep. Actually, um, yeah, I'd love to share a testimony or two. Uh, before I do though, if I may just add that um, thank you for looking at our website. Uh, we've also been evaluated independently twice by Monash University. Mm. And, uh, and that's been a real help for the development of this program in that it's enabled us to have a look in a 360-degree perspective, have a look at what's working, what's not working, and what we would do differently with the program. So that's helped us really sort of polish 
those two Monash University evaluations have helped us polish this program up to, um, I think, position it really well um, within uh, our community uh, to be able to have that uh, significant credibility that then engenders uh, the confidence for guys like Greg Hunt, Dr Darshini Aiton from Monash Uni and Tim Costello to be able to publicly endorse us. In terms of testimonies, mate, I've, I've seen some marvellous things uh, over the 10 years or so that I've been involved with the program. Uh, and there's one, one particular person, a lady by the name of Sandra Jensen, and I'm allowed to share her name. I've got permission to okay. share her name and I've got permission to share her story. So this is not bre- uh, br- uh, breaching any confidentiality at all. Uh, Sandy, when we first met her, was living in a township called Dramana on the Mornington Peninsula. And uh, her home was a caravan in a local caravan park. And uh, she was quite isolated. Uh, Sandy has uh, a, a diagnosis of um, schizophrenia. Uh, she has a diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder, which back in um, the old days uh, in social welfare used to be referred to as multiple personality disorder. Um, she was struggling with uh, suicidal ideation and, um, and, and quite isolated. And uh, she had uh, no great sense of hope at all that, uh, that life was going to be any better for her or, or improve in, in any way. Uh, and yet she reached out. She was seeking uh, a mentor. She was seeking some support because she, she actually wanted somebody to be able to help her get in control of, uh, of um, her, uh, her caravan. She, uh, she was struggling to keep it clean. Um, she was struggling to stay in routines uh, and, and good habits of, uh, of uh, cleaning that caravan. Plus, she wanted somebody to help her access some superannuation that she had. Um, she'd been, indeed, a professional in the mental health uh, system herself. She was a psychiatric nurse. Um, to, to cope with, with her trauma and her struggles, um, Sandy uh, was using marijuana as a, a coping mechanism. Um, and I think a lot of the trauma that she'd experienced had its roots in her being sexually abused uh, as a, a younger woman. And so she was using marijuana to cope and life was just completely falling apart. And obviously, um, in, in the use of that substance, that did nothing good at all for her mental health. Uh, so we, um, we uh, allocated uh, two mentors, a husband and wife team, uh, George and Helen Lumsden, to provide support to Sandy. We set some boundaries around that relationship. So Sandy committed to not smoking marijuana a couple of hours before George and Helen were due to visit her at her caravan. Um, she committed to airing the van out she committed to um, not, uh, not contacting them after hours to speak about any suicidal sort of thinking. Um, uh, so, so, you know, she, she was dependable in that sense. Her yes meant yes and her no meant no. Anyway, through the journey of developing uh, a friendship, we characterise this program as being like a friendship with a purpose. Through the journey of developing a friendship with Helen and George and, and understanding that she was a person of, of significant value and worth, um, Sandy eventually came to her own faith in Christ, which was awesome. Um, she then committed to um, stop smoking marijuana and went into a detox and uh, rehabilitation facility. Uh, she came out of that. She got access to uh, some of her superannuation to pay off a debt that she had. 
which was uh, lifted a great burden off her in terms of anxiety. Um, and then she thought that she had the, the potential to actually um, find a, a, an ordinary house to rent in an ordinary street. And so she got out of the caravan. Um, she found herself a private rental property. And as she journeyed into that space, her sense of value and, uh, and self-worth increased and her sense of confidence that the future could be brighter increased, which then um, piqued her motivation even further. And uh, she then decided that she perhaps could work in some sort of part-time capacity. So George and Helen uh, supported her to build her own or create her own uh, contract cleaning business, which was just fantastic. And uh, through that journey, Sandy... Uh, developed uh, quite a significant uh, amount of work. Um, so she was cleaning holiday homes along the Mornington Peninsula. She was cleaning um, a supermarket in her hometown. Um, and indeed, uh, she then employed other people, uh, vulnerable people that were on the COACH program who started with us um, requiring mentors. She then, in turn, employed those people in her business, um, which was just an amazing thing. Um, so Sandy... Uh, beyond all of that, uh, then trained and became a mentor herself and provided support to a vulnerable fa uh, vulnerable single mum who was living in a bungalow and quite isolated uh, behind somebody's house um, and supported this vulnerable uh, single mum to, uh, to ta start taking some positive steps forward in her own life. So uh, Sandy's, uh, Sandy's journey uh, showed us, you know, that uh, this was the, the full circle, um, starting off, requiring support in a really uh, traumatic and struggling space uh, and then ending up uh, employing people and providing mentoring support to somebody else in her local community. Uh, for me, that's a great story. Wow, that is a great testimony. A life transformed, now transforming mm. other people's lives. Well, it's that's been fine. great to uh, hear your story today, Mark. If people want to find out more, the website is coachnetwork.org and they can yep. uh, find out all the info about the Coach Community Mentoring and uh, it's a, a great ministry, a great heart to uh, connect with people all across the nation. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Mark. God bless. Thank you, Mark. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels, and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater. And my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.